Hello again. It's Margaret. I'm back again with a very special episode today. I can't tell you how grateful I am that both Melanie Chadwick and Sandy Hester agreed to come together in one episode to share their sketchbook practices. I've had them both on the show before, and you have to go listen to their episodes. Sandy talks about her fantastic, messy, creative life and how she deals with negative self-talk and lots of other things on episode 31. And on episode 38, Mel talks about her illustration work, workshops that she leads, and oh my goodness, the beauty of the Cornwall Coast. So go listen to those episodes first if you haven't already. So today they're talking about the importance of sketching to sharpen your observational tools, practice drawing skills, and play with new mediums. Mel and Sandy agree that benefits of sketching include learning to let go of expectations, engaging all our senses, and generating new ideas. And you'll end up with this really cool visual diary. So go follow them on Instagram and go check out their YouTube channels. They even have a couple collaborations between them on their vlogs. Links are in the show notes. Okay, let's get started. If you've been listening to my episodes, you've heard me talk about Pete Doctor, who's the creator of the animated award-winning movies, Soul, Up, and Inside Out. He spoke on this podcast, 10% Happier, recently. He's been on a lot of podcasts because he's an award-winning, Oscar-nominated creator. And he said, sketchbooks are great because it forces you to be in the present moment and notice things. Stories are not made, they are discovered. And this has really stuck with me. And today we're going to talk about how to feed your creativity with a sketchbook practice with Sandy Hester and Melanie Chadwick. And they've both been on the podcast before. When Sandy and I had our first conversation, episode 31. She said that people think art should be easy, but there are too many pressures and expectations. We have childhood memories of art being easy and fun and joyful because we didn't care who saw it or if it sells. And that feeling is pure freedom and love. She says, so channel that into your sketchbook practice. I love that. And Melanie, who I talked to on episode 38, has what I think of as a typical sketchbook practice. She takes a sketchbook, her watercolors, pen and ink, walks out to the Cornwall coast and draws what's around her, boats and buildings and the cliffs and the coves. She said, my whole senses are awakened when I'm out in the wild. It makes me feel alive when I experience what's going on around me and being in the moment. And Melanie has run workshops and a sketchbook drawing club to brush up on observation and drawing skills and to really help you see what actually is in front of us. So if there's one thing you take away from today's episode, I hope it's that there's no wrong way to do this. It doesn't have to look a specific way. There are no rules. Well, very few. So let's dig into the nitty gritty of a sketchbook practice with Mel and Sandy. Hi, guys. Hey, we're excited to be here. Yeah. Hi, Margaret. It's really lovely to speak to you again. Okay. So to start, I'd like each of you to quickly describe the work that you do. And really, everybody, you need to go listen to their episodes and you'll get a much greater in-depth look at this. Mel, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your work. Okay. I am an illustrator 
and well primarily an illustrator that's how I make my uh, bread and butter and I do a whole range of different things for different clients I specialize mainly in maps fun maps of areas and then I also do food food illustrations postcards websites so illustrations for websites books calendars greetings cards so a range of different things but um all really fun bright um playful style great thank you sandy so I'm a professional artist. I also have a YouTube channel. So I'm constantly making videos. That's a big part of my work. Also, I would, I would describe my work as very loose. And my subjects range from still life to landscape to wonky, whimsical, weird stuff. That's the season I'm in right now of just playing and moving my art in a little bit different realm. Um, but yeah, most of my work, my time is um, painting and selling those paintings and making YouTube videos and trying to encourage and inspire um, other artists. Oh, and Mel did not mention this, but she's a YouTuber also. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do like um, kind of actually on my YouTube channel you'll see more of my sketchbooks and more of my I would say fine art stuff you know traditional mediums that I like to use and explore so thanks for reminding me Sandy. Okay I want to start by asking you if you've always kept a sketchbook. Ooh, Mel do you remember I had to think about this when Margaret threw that out I was like oh no have I do I can I remember that far back? But I, I think that I have. I think that was the first thing that I bought when I started kind of as an adult getting back into art. I've always kind of dabbled in stuff, but it wasn't until my adult years that I really got into art seriously. But I still have the first sketchbook and I didn't date it, which it, uh, makes me so frustrating. That's one of my things I always tell people, make sure to date your sketches. It's just so nice to be able to look back and see progress and I wish I had dates in that sketchbook, but at first it was just a sketchbook with pencil. And then I started getting into some watercolor, but I would say from the beginning of like, that's how I think I, I started exploring. I knew I wanted to create, but I knew I wasn't very good at that point and didn't really even know anything about anything. And so I just bought a sketchbook one day and started, you know, messing around in it. And now it's a very important part of my practice. Like I can't even imagine life without sketchbooks, to be honest. What about you, Mel? Well, I can definitely remember when I started keeping sketchbooks because I feel like I'm still quite new to it all. But 2017 was when um, we moved from Falmouth to Port Flevin um, before coming down to the Lizard in Cornwall. And um, I was doing screen printing and illustration work in Falmouth. And when I moved, I closed down my screen printing studio. And I just felt this kind of like gap. And basically, we moved to Port Flevin and I walked around and I was just like, I want to sketch. I want to sketch all of these houses. I want to sketch the cottages. And I basically picked up a sketchbook. And it was a very small sketchbook, I have it here, 
Um, for those of you who can't see what I'm holding up, it measures about five inches by three and a half inches. So it's quite a small pocket size sketchbook. And I just used a black, um, well, ink pen and just sketched the buildings. And that was the beginning of what I'd say was just a love of keeping sketchbooks. So, yeah, I definitely remember um, how it made me feel as well, just to be connected to the to the environment and the landscape around me. And, yeah, just allowed me to breathe and have a, a sense of being in the moment. I love that you use the word gap, that it filled in a gap. I so want to return to that in a little while when we get into some more of the questions, because that word, I feel like that could fills in so much of why as artists we create sketchbooks so let's come back to that but I love that I wrote that down I was like yes it fills in the gap yeah so talk more about the motivation behind sketching okay so I'll go first in the fact of like the why of why I keep a sketchbook I do feel like Mel with you using the word it filled in a gap there's something as creators people who create and who have that um, just desire to make, we, we have a need to do that. And I think we get jumbled up in our heads with feeling like, especially early on, I see so many people early on feeling like, oh, I need to sell. And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's put a little pause on that. You need to just be creating and enjoying the process of creating because if you get into the selling too fast, for one, that just you doesn't even go very well usually if you started off too early, but it also kills a lot of the creativity. As artists, um, we just need to do that. Like, I mean, I'm doing that all day long and I find there is just this need to create and we can create a lot better when our tools are sharp. And I don't mean just like, the pencils are sharpened or we have access to things, but when our eyes are sharp with, with um, practicing observation, when we are able to um, practice good self-talk and that's in a good flow, right? Of not feeling like of all the self-talk, like, Oh, somebody's looking at me or, or, Oh, is this going to be good? So when that's, that tool is sharpened of being able to just get in the flow and enjoy it and tell ourselves to zip it. Um, when tools are sharp, like just be able to get into the process quickly. Like that doesn't just happen. You really have to have a sharpened tool and a practice of doing that. And in that, we create a lot of bad work. And I think a lot of people starting out or that haven't been in it for a while forget because we're just in a day and age where all we see from people are, is the finished good work. And that is not how living as an artist works. We make a boatload of bad work and all the bad work is what holds up the good work. It's the foundation of the good work and all the bad goes into the good. And so the, those of us that are producing good work in the background, producing a ton of bad work, and I think sometimes that gets lost. So my sketchbooks are just where I get to have no expectations. I get to just dump. I get to just play. Um, I have certain sketchbooks that I have zero expectation of it even being good work because I'm doing this. I mean, I know I'm we're, this is a podcast, so you can't see, but basically what I'm doing, I'm holding my sketchbook. I have this little one that I keep in my purse 
or when I'm walking and I'm looking at the subject and not at the page. It's, it's about being able to observe and make marks. And so I don't even care what it looks like. I just have a desire when I'm out on my morning walks and I'm passing all these amazing weeds or just stuff that's out there. I'm usually making marks in the air if I don't have my sketchbook because there's just something about needing to capture that. I think as an artist, even back to the cave days, there's just something in us as creators about making a mark and enjoying that process. For me, the sketchbook is like um, silencing all that and where I get to just I mean, pop out the work and just create and not care if it's good or bad. Um, yeah. Because I know that that's part of how my good work gets done. And I'm not embarrassed about that at all. I mean, I love when I bring a student in, if I've got somebody that I'm mentoring or whatever, I love pulling out my early days of the worst of the worst sketches. You know, when they're like, oh, I want to draw birds and all oh, my birds are so bad, they're fat. I'm like, listen, there's no way they're fatter than mine. Let me pull out all my fat birds. <laughs> you know, let me let me pull out where I try to start drawing blah, 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 or painting because it's horrific. But this is where I am now. And this is what the process looks like. And it's in my sketchbooks where I get to really just be free. And I have sketchbook after sketchbook of documentation of my process um, there was somebody I was talking to recently and they were like, oh yeah, tear out all my bad ones. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, that's how you get to see your growth and you're missing out on that encouragement of being able to flip through that sketchbook and see where you've gone. Why do you want to erase that? And oftentimes we have really weird eyesight. We cannot see our stuff very well. Um, I had a teacher that was not a very good teacher, but early on told me, don't ever throw anything away. And I lived by that. And some of my best selling work was stuff I would have dumped in the trash can. And definitely don't tear out a page that's already in a book, you know, in your sketchbook. Like, goodness gracious. I don't know. I, I could go on and on. I have, uh, you know, a lot of reasons why I love sketchbooks. But Mel, what's what's your kind of why you do the sketchbook, why you keep a sketchbook? Well, I definitely, um, like I said, it was kind of to fill a gap, but also I had been doing a lot of um, working to brief, working to client work. And then with the screen printing, it was all about creating a final product and knowing that I had to create it to sell. Um, so there was, I had had a lot of pressure. I feel I'd put a lot of pressure on myself from me <laughs> to, you know, always when I create something for it to go towards being a final piece and so I wasn't giving myself space or time to really play experiment just draw for the sake of drawing it was always either for a client or it was to make something screen print it sell it get it out there and so it, I think that was the space that I had when I came to keeping a sketchbook. Okay, Mel, let me ask you, do you feel like there was kind of like a exhale? Like, oh, okay, this, this was a link that was missing in my practice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was almost like, ah, I've kind of found myself again. It was a real sense of coming back to a familiar place. And mm -hmm. 
I remember, you know, uh, teenage years, I loved drawing. I loved kind of doing that side of things. Um, but I'd kind of like moved away from it the more, you know, the older I got. And then my degree was more in um, installation, creating sculptures, textiles. So and then after that, I'd gone into illustration. But for some reason, the drawing and the sketchbook kind of habit it wasn't there and so I was always trying to do something for someone else and trying to fulfill a brief or um, think of the next great design for a product but actually yeah just coming back to working for something on my own in this in my space and just drawing what I saw in front of me just grounded me and I just felt like I could breathe again. Um, Mel, I wanted to ask you, since you had that gap, since you used to do that as a teenager and then you had like a, a break and then came back to it, did you find you had rusty tools? Um, what I did was I just took the barest basic tools out with me. I just took my brush pen um, filled with ink so I didn't have to uh, keep refilling it and I just took um, I think I just took a little bit of water I can't remember what I oh yeah I had a brush pen and a water pen and all I do was just basically look at the outlines and just draw that I didn't do any pencil work because that was another thing I just wanted to draw what was there I didn't want to get all perfectionist about it I didn't want to like start second guessing myself I didn't want to bring an eraser with me to rub out the lines I just wanted to just draw straight into my book what I saw in front of me and because it was line work that I started off with it was actually probably good to do that because I was easing myself in rather than if I saw the work like that I'm doing now which is full-on let's work in all the materials <laughs> I I don't think I if I started there, I, I probably would have just given up because it was too complicated. It was too much. So I spent uh, 2017, 2018 really just working in black and white with a bit of a simple wash. And that really helped ease me into it so that I also wasn't, um, you know, sketching for a long period each time I did it. It was only only about, you know, 10, 20 minutes and I think that was important as well because I didn't want to overstress myself. Um, and because it was that short period of time, I could fit it in before I would um, start the day or had to do other work. I was still working for illustration clients, but it meant I could put in that time easy enough. Um, and I think that really helped ease me into, the, into keeping a sketchbook without me totally freaking out thinking this I can't manage this which is why I can still do it now because I've built up like you say I've sharpened those tools and the more you do it you naturally will get you just get more confident in your lines and you just see you're able to just see something and you're able to capture it without um you know creating something and going eh. <laughs> sketchbooking for me has always been a place where I can I think play and experiment and just enjoy it 
um, because I'm not thinking, oh, I've got to present this to someone or um, I've got to, you know, show this. To, it, it's always been, I guess it, I feel quite safe in it. So even if I do a piece and it's like, uh, yeah, I'll just do it again and I might do it again. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, also just playing, playing with how you do it. So I know Sandy and I have done, uh, last year we did a collaboration where we were doing a lot of um, playing, using our less dominant hands, you know, doing blind drawings, um, a continuous line, two-handed drawings, and those kind of things, again, bringing those into your sketchbook, um, it's just a fun way to play with what you're with what you're sketching so again you're kind of breaking yourself back into it if you haven't done it for a while um there are I think it's just knowing those things isn't it how to get yourself <laughs> back into sketching without really criticizing yourself so much because I think that's what you're trying to do is just silence that inner critic that says oh you haven't drawn for a few days now so oh dear <laughs> so it's kind of like you know just going come on it's all right you can you can do it don't yeah. worry so mine is an inner critic when I'm like at a the, the bump mine is more like what do I like to use what do I like to draw so I often have like some subjects that I'm really comfortable with like birds or I don't know I just have a few things that I'll go back to to do the you know something I feel comfortable with if I feel a little rusty um and I think that was a good point like just get in there and start like just pick something up and get in the sketchbook it's a safe place so do you ever feel selfish like I should be working on some other painting or something else that's you know going to sell or I know um when like earlier this year I had quite an intense period of of client work and during that time there were days where I just didn't have energy at all. Um, but I would still like on the weekends, just make sure that I put in my sketchbook time just because it, it did fuel me. It did help me just give me the space again. And yeah, there's going to be periods where maybe you, you are, you know, you have got really busy lives and, but, I just know that if I don't do it or I take too much time away from it, I, I just am not, um, it's not helping me. I know Tony, like my husband, he'll say to you, he'll say to me, cause he'll notice and he'll be like, when, uh, when did you last do some sketching? You know, you should, you really should go and do some sketching. <laughs> Talk a little bit about how, going out with a sketchbook engages all of your senses in a way that maybe working on a specific project might not. I think that is basically what, it, what brings me so much joy when I'm sketching outside is that I am then switched on to my environment and I'm connected. And I think that's what I loved and what captured me or captured my attention when I started sketching was the fact that I was able to sit um be there look around me and because you're outside you can't avoid you know the wind you can't uh, you know I don't wear anything in my ears 
I can't avoid hearing the sounds, whether that's seagulls or people. Um, so all of those things just kind of, it's funny, they, they are captured on that paper because when I look back at my sketches, I kind of remember these things. So even though you can't see them on the paper, they are there for me. Um, and like it does, it awakens you up. And so often we're moving quite fast or maybe we're um, in a car or, or a vehicle that's moving and you don't have that time to just be still and just rest and just sit and see what's in front of you and just draw it down. So it is very much a meditative kind of thing to do, I think, as well. And yeah, it's it's very good therapy. That's wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about what goes in your sketchbook? I know that I've talked to people who do everything from keep sketchbooks where they sketch titles of works or write poetry or do color studies or collages. Mel, I know what I see, what you post on Instagram and your postcard project and all the beautiful scenes of the cliffs and the coves and everything. Are they all like that? Um, not all of them, no. <laughs> um, so I also love to sketch, you know, mundane things, everyday things, um, objects around the house. And, you know, I love sketching uh, the contents of my food cupboards, um, you know, routines. Last year when I was, um, I'd been away in Madrid and I was in quarantine for two weeks, I couldn't leave my bedroom. So I, I, sketched or had a little sketchbook just for my routines what I ate what I watched um what was around me and so that was a lovely little because now when I look at it I'm like oh it's like a visual diary mm -hmm. and so you can keep a sketchbook for all sorts of things I I often say as well that when you draw it it becomes interesting so I think even the most basic of items can become interesting when you just look at it and study it and see it um, particularly kitchen utensils they are they are so fun to draw um, so yeah uh, what I show maybe on Instagram is probably more my um you know, landscape, environmental sketches, but I also love just little things around me. And, you know, if like, say you had five minutes, just do a little sketch of maybe um, what the pots on your table or the computer screen. It just, yeah, I just like doing that as well. Oh, recently, recently we moved, we, we had to clear out the garage and we ended up with loads of stuff in our our front room and I was meant to sort it out and I just it was so overwhelming so instead I got my sketchbook and I just decided to draw it all <laughs> so I was probably like not helpful at all you know to putting stuff away but my response to it was I'm just going to draw you and that will make me feel better that's wonderful. I love that story. That's great. One of the things I'd like to say about Mel talking about sketching the ordinary things, um, I think that is so important to do. I mean, I love like sketching just even my glue bottles. There's really, I think sometimes we feel like 
we have to sketch or paint the beautiful, like, oh, here's a sunset or like we're drawn to those things, but often our skill level doesn't match the beautifulness of whatever, you know, the beauty. And so we can, especially people starting out can feel frustrated with that. And there's something about just taking something that's ordinary and observing and then making the marks. It, you you are able to let go of, oh, I've got to produce something beautiful, or this is the, you know, kind of coming to that pressure level of like, I mean, because Mel lives in this amazingly beautiful area. And so I think I would possibly feel overwhelmed at first, like, whoa. Um, but, you know, grabbing your glue bottle or a kitchen utensil, there's not anything of the beauty level. Does that make, you know what I mean by that? So then you're able to just enjoy the process of observing and making a mark on the page and, and maybe working on different things like layout of the page or, so I think that's an important thing too. And people don't um, always realize that just something, maybe things even in your medicine cabinet or in your pantry, like Mel said, can be really fun things because they have, illustration on them or I don't know sometimes we just don't even observe enough listen I've got this one glue bottle it's like a, a wood glue and it has got the best duck on it and Grady has to borrow it he was like where's the wood glue I need it and I'm like it's in my studio but listen you have got to make sure that glue bottle gets back to my studio because that duck on that they don't make it anymore like that and I need the glue bottle because that duck is very inspiring um but I, I think sometimes we until you allow your eyes to really observe sometimes the ordinary. And then, um, I don't know, it's just really a fun process to just get absorbed in the ordinary. I'm looking at even just a bottle right now that um, has some neat lines on the, the top that I'm like, ooh, I'd really like to, I, I would draw that just to be able to make those little little lines. So I think my one of my tips to maybe somebody just starting out or getting back to it is don't go for the big, beautiful scene. Go for the ordinary things in your house or in your cupboard, in your garage, um, and just get used to observing and drawing and work on other skills. So I know that's not what you asked for tips, but I do think Mel talking about, she draws these amazing landscapes. She goes out into the beautiful, but she also finds enjoyment and just observing and drawing the very, very ordinary things of her life. And so mixing those two, I think are really wonderful things to, to do. Sandy, one of the things I love about your sketchbooks that you've showed on your vlogs, you do a color swatch at the beginning of some of your sketchbooks. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So all of my sketchbooks, I, the front page, I use an if found, I put my information. If you find this, if I lose it, because I would want that back. Um, and then I use the other opposite page just to be able to try new material. It just needs to be messy. It's not because everybody has, or I hear a lot of people have the like, oh no, the first page. That excites me. The first page excites me because it kind of feels like Ooh, the possibilities of this book. But I use the first couple pages just to be able to swatch new material, to see how that paper works it's just a and it's never like tidy and pretty it's messy because I, I I don't want to set any like expectation it just needs to be a place where I can just play and I need a place to swatch stuff sometimes too so that's that's my first 
you know what I thought you were going to say, Margaret, from looking at my Instagram and my sketchbooks, I thought you were going to say like, oh, that it's a crazy person <laughs> that works in that sketchbook. Cause I am all no. over the place with subject matter and style in my, well, in my work, but definitely in my sketchbook. It's but that's like, what it's for. It's for experimenting, right? Yes. And playing. Yes. But some people's work you look at and it's kind of like there's this nice, co- you know, consistency. I love to observe. I'll paint things that look, you know, I'll set up a still life and I paint something still very loose. That's always my thing. Um, but then and then you'll flip the page and there's men with mustache, you know, mustaches and chest hair and a lion with a head on, you know, just weird um playing whimsical I'm in this new place with my work where my skill level is at a place where I can play more I've wanted to get to this for so long and I've been doing it for years in my sketchbook but uh, it's coming out my real work now but I do just love to play and a lot of times there's things in that that I in my sketchbooks that I reference, I mean, usually when I'm working on a piece of work, my sketchbooks are all over the place open for inspiration. Also have my works of art just all up on the wall, but I am constantly using other work as inspiration for, you know, the work that sells. I've also heard you talk about, Sandy, taking um, elements from one of your sketches and just taking out certain things to put in another painting. Yeah. My sketchbooks are a constant source of inspiration for me. I will take sketches that I have and paint those in other sketchbooks or even just on our canvas and take things that I like and leave out things that I don't like, or just kind of try it again. I, artists have been doing that for forever though. Um, I was just recently reading a book on Mary Fedden, and she's, you know, would say, well, I think people just think, oh, she's painting the same old thing over and over. But there's kind of this like sometimes a mix of like, oh, I think I can do that better or I'm just not tired of that subject yet. So one of the things that I do when I'm painting, whether it's something to sell or in my sketchbook, I don't get hung up on. And I do think my sketchbook works helps me do this a lot just to not. You know, if you come to a place where it's like, I don't know if I should do this or this. Should I paint? Does the value need to be this? Should this be this color? Should I? I just kind of go, well, let's pick one and do it because I can paint some more. So I do that in my sketchbooks a lot. I just redo a subject because I'm not tired of it yet. One painting or one sketch didn't do it for me. I'm sure Mel experiences that too when she's in location of places. It's like you feel this excitement of like, I can do this. 30 times if I want. So I'm just going to play on this one and just put something down. And if you are always doing that on a canvas or, or to just sell, if that's always what you're doing, man, I feel like you just miss out on such a wonderful part of being an artist of the adventure and the playing and what we experienced as a child and just putting it down, just getting it out there, slopping it on in the, the fun and the freedom of that without worrying about the outcome of what's my going to think or if it's going to sell. I mean, as kids, we didn't do that. We didn't even think about the fact that, yes, our parents are going to say it's wonderful every time we do. You know, we just were after it 
It's like, let's just get it down. And so many artists, I feel like so many people that run into these days don't, they're just after the, how do I sell this? And it's like, oh, you're missing out and you're squelching. And I see too many people just squelching that. When I say keeping the tool sharp, so much of that is the mental talk that goes into things, um, whether we're out on location, which I'm excited to, I want to hear more from Mel too. She goes out in location way more than I do. So I have a feeling she's got some really sharp tools of self-talk and I don't have as sharp to, I have to like do a lot more self-talk probably each time. So I'd love, I think that could be helpful too for people if we would talk a little about that. Yeah, I, I think that is really true actually. And so I do um, sketch walks and so basically, you know, people can book an hour or two hours with me and I will take them out and we will sketch what we see in front of us. And often the people who are booking on, they're not professional artists. Some of them actually haven't picked up a paintbrush since school. Um, I've had like whole family. So like from gran- granny and granddad to down to like, you know, uh, 12 13 year olds so the range is there um and the range of ability is there as well so what I'm always thinking about is how can these people engage in in sketching and and they're going to have an easy win so they're not going to be the they're not going to like do it and just think nope I cannot continue that's it nope this is for not for me so I've come up with some ways to Uh, definitely get people kind of feeling really fun about it and feeling like oh yeah this is really good fun and and I'm not precious about it so we normally start off with the exercises I talked about before where we you know do less dominant hands we do continuous line drawings we do timed exercises which are really short sharp you know one minute two minute we do blind drawings so they're not looking at the page they're just looking at what's in front of them and people suddenly realize they can relax when they when they're sketching they don't have to be really tight and kind of like slow they can be you know loose and fast and you know they can get all of the you know get all the marks down and it is basically creating a space for play and an enjoyment and then I can come in and then maybe just show them other ways we might do a perspective um class where I I just talk through them you know how you can get you know a basic uh, building as it looking looking into the distance so I'll give them a few kind of pointers on that and then we just kind of move forward with that and and just try to keep it fun try not to get too precious about it I always say it is you know more about your process rather than the final but actually I always find that everyone produces brilliant work I'm like I'm always like surprised I'm always like way that's so cool and people are really happy with what they've done as well and and uh, yeah it's just it should be joyful and so yeah that, that maybe some of those things might help people getting into a sketchbook habit you know just remember it's the process not your final piece and the more you do like I say to people who come on the sketch walks well keep going don't give up keep going because the more you do 
the the better you'll become anyway and more confident in your work as you do it as well. The consistency that you talk about, I think, is really important and one that I never understood how much I could learn just from doing it over and over again. I signed up for a class once. I had no idea what, is get, what I was getting into because I was an abstract artist and I thought I didn't really read the description very well of this workshop. Totally fine. So the first week she's like, sketch household objects. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't draw a hammer. What are you talking about? But I did it. And the next week we had to draw faces. We had to spend an entire week just drawing tiny, tiny faces, like 30 on a page. And for a whole week, I just drew faces. And by the end, it was so fun. I still draw faces like that. And I wasn't intimidated by that anymore. So I think the more consistent you are, the less intimidating it gets, the more you're willing to go out on a limb somewhere else too, maybe. I guess just it's not so intimidating once you keep going. And no one has to see it. That's the other thing. You don't have to share it with anyone. You know, the, the consistency too with like, what Mel does with getting out. There is something about um, doing it multiple times that that then there's the self-talk back like, okay, this is fine. I've got this. Nobody's, you, you have the the past to remember like, oh no, anybody that came up to me, they they said nice things. Or even if somebody does say something not nice, you know, it's kind of like, okay, they don't, they don't know how hard this is. They don't, they probably can't. You just, you get the practice too of just getting past yourself and, I would love to hear some of Mel's talk uh, or thoughts of not just when she's in a, a group, but by herself. Um, I, I know for me, some of the self-talk I have to do when I'm in a coffee shop or someplace and somebody can see. Um, but you have the experience. The more you do it, the, the more comfortable and the quicker you can kind of get into the, the practice and, and remember the past experiences of like people are so nice most of the time people are so nice or and they also a lot of times leave you alone that's been my experience that they don't even notice you you know if I go to a coffee shop and I've got the sweats and sweating I'm getting all nervous you know at first and it's like oh I've got all this stuff out and um I had to just tell myself listen nobody even notices you Sandy like nobody's noticing and even if they do they're really just like interested just enjoy it, realize nobody's even noticing you. And even if they do, take it as an opportunity, just engage. Um, at Mel, I'm wondering when you're out, one, I mean, from what I can tell, you're in this, you're usually pretty secluded, but maybe from what I've seen, it's not always that. So I'd love to hear what some of your self-talk and how you kind of get past self and the anxiety, you know, the things that I think just as humans, we can get into. Can I just say this too? I feel like so often, like our self-focus can get in the way of the enjoyment of creating so often. One of the things I just will tell myself, like, just get over yourself, Sandy, stop focusing on yourself so much, focus on others and think about others and not yourself so much because you're going to suck the joy out of this and actually be able to do what you're here to do because you're so consumed with self right now. So I'm wondering too, just how some of that plays in when you're out about. Yeah. Well, first of all, to, um, answer the first question about you know just not getting over that kind of anxiety of people watching you um get up really early 
go out when there's less people around. Um, start off uh, with maybe something you are more comfortable with. Go to a more remote place. Go to a place where there aren't many people around. So an early morning is great for that because people aren't up yet. And I love that kind of feeling of everyone's still in their house and no one's going out and you can just go wherever you want. It's such a nice kind of feeling. Um, and then, yeah, the more that you do it, the more then you're, you feel comfortable with how you're working. So say, so with my brush pen and ink way method, I'm very comfortable with that because um, you know, last year I did that. I'd had a challenge, my postcard challenge, where I did it every day and spent 15 minutes doing it. And so I had my routine. I knew, you know, I had to make sure I had this, this, and I knew how I would be doing it. And I can stand, I can sketch standing up. I don't need to sit down. I don't need to, you know, I, I knew kind of those kind of things because I trained almost like trains my body to just do it and um so yeah and as you get more comfortable in your environment um you'll find that people tend to disappear they you, you no longer are seeing them um I'm not saying that like I'm just ignoring people because I am aware that I'm not kind of thinking those thoughts or oh, what are they thinking I'm doing why are they do they think I'm doing this you know um so almost just letting go of that and just again trying to focus what it is that you're doing looking at what's in front of you and just enjoying that and you'll find that it does disappear those negative that negative those negative feelings those thoughts where you're thinking, oh, everyone's going to be thinking I'm doing something weird. They they disappear because you're able to just get into that flow and just get on and draw. Um, and like you say, most people are pretty pleasant and nice. I've only had like one experience where it was a bit strange because I was drawing a hotel and <laughs> normally I give myself a bit of distance but because the coastal path I was standing on there was a massive drop behind me I couldn't really go much further back um so <laughs> I was drawing the hotel and realized that someone was watching me from the hotel then there was a big security guard who kind of like came out and was standing there and I was just like I was actually thinking well, all I'm doing is drawing. I'm not doing anything I shouldn't be doing. So I just stood my ground and just drawn, just finished it. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> That's a great story. But, but other than that, you know, most people are really, really quite kind and pleasant. They're really just interested in, in what you're doing. And I, you know, if someone's going to ask me, oh, can I have a look at what you're doing? I'm going to go, okay, yeah, sure, here you are. And then they can make their comments and then, you know, get on their way and it's fine. Um, like you say, it's kind of think, trying to think less of yourself as well, not focus so much on you and you'll find that you can just focus on what you're drawing and that anxiety kind of does dissipate, it does go. 
Mel, I sit in my um, car a lot too. If I'm going to go, like sometimes I'll just stay in my car if I can park in a place because then I also have more place to like spread out. But I've even been in my car before in really a rural area and I had this tractor, big, like big, big, big tractor thing. And I was like, I think he's coming towards me. And I was back in the corner of this field. It was very like secluded. And I was, at some point I'm like, oh yeah, he's, he's coming. <laughs> he's going to tell me to get off the property. I had already gotten permission from the owner of the property to be there, but I still, and so, I, but I still got really nervous. My heart was racing. I was like, oh no, no. Okay. And that's why though, I like to sketch standing up as well. So I don't always sit down. If I'm going to do a longer piece, I'll sit down. But I do like to stand up because I know I can quickly make a move if I need to. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's also not because I'm thinking someone's going to tell me off, but because the weather changes. You know, if suddenly we have like a rain shower, I can quickly kind of just put stuff in my bag and then just move on. And I and I did do that a lot when I was in Port Levin. I would have to duck underneath a shelter or uh, I did actually do one drawing in a telephone box, which was quite funny. It was like, it felt like a, a port, you know, one an art box, you know, so you could go in, you can see around you. And yeah, that was quite fun. Can we talk a little bit about practicalities? I'd like to hear what kind of materials you use. So I started off, like I said, with a very small uh, pocket size moleskin, um, 3.5 inches by five. And um, I was just using it for black and white work. And I probably did go through quite a lot just in that size because it was so handy. And like I said, I can quickly shove that in my pocket and it's not massively heavy. And then as I kind of grew more confident in what I was doing and brought in more materials like colored color materials, like uh, colored pencils, crayons, my size gradually grew a bit bigger. And so, um, you know, I, I, progressed up to more of an A5 size and I actually really like this size this is still moleskin though I just love moleskin they're just great for mixed media um I did try I think a few different brands but I keep coming back yeah I just come back to moleskin because I just love the paper and it does what I want it to do <laughs> um and then I've also tried like I've got um a concertina sketchbook um where the paper is continuous and it's like an accordion and that was a really fun way of you know just experimenting with layout I think Sandy mentioned that earlier you know where you can play about with layout and then I also made quite a few of smaller versions of that um but it was just really nice just to have that kind of layout and I think when I was running my classes um people really enjoyed working on that and then filling it all in an afternoon and then I've also got this is my biggest sketchbook this is the A4 no yeah A4 but obviously opens up and I work on it double page so it's a lot bigger um, but yeah Moleskin is probably my brand that I go to and um, although people may say it's expensive I think it's worth it. Um, 
my sketchbooks I want to keep for years to come. I'm not going to be throwing them away. Um, they are part of my artistic practice. And I could just imagine myself going back, you know, when I'm 70 or something, I want to look back and and I just really like the feel of them. They feel like a book. Um, and I like the fact that you can't really tear out the pages because again I think it's important that you don't tear your pages out so yeah that's that's my uh, summary of the sketchbooks I use and when you go out do you just take one kind of medium with you do you just take watercolors do you just take pen and ink or how do you decide what to uh, take with you well it depends what I'm I know I'm going to go and sketch and I'll probably decide before I go actually what mediums I want to use. Um, so in the early days, it was just the black brush pen filled with ink. So that was a very easy, um, just very easy to, to handle that. And then it progressed to watercolors. So I had like my little travel watercolor set and a little uh, brush with water in the handle. And that was really, really uh, handy. And I started putting color in that way. And then it progressed to the color pencils and then the crayons, um, the ink tense pencils, and then watercolor. So yeah, they gradually grew. Um, but like last year when I was doing my postcards, it was just the black and white. So I knew I was just going to take my black and white with me. So I probably, though, do decide before I go out what I'm going to use and then just take that and take, uh, choose which sketchbook would be best suited. Although last weekend I took two sizes. So I did the big one and then I also did my medium size one as well. Cool. Thanks. Sandy, tell us about the kind of sketchbooks you use and your mediums. So... I work more in my sketchbooks in the studio um, than out and about, even though I do when I travel or even back before COVID, you know, going to coffee shops and stuff. I do always have sketchbooks with me, but I do majority of my sketchbook work in the studio and I have different sizes. Um, Stillman and Burn is probably my go-to right now for sketchbooks, even though I've just recently bought a sketchbook that I am like, absolutely obsessed with. And it is a Moleskine. It's the, it's a ginormo one. It's like 16 by 24 or something. It's absolutely huge. It goes from like my head to like my stomach. And I'll even take the ginormous one out with me. I'm, I'm not a light packer. Um, even if I'm just going to a coffee shop and I'm going to sketch, I'm I'm, I'm kind of like, I probably should take it just in case I need it. And then I'm, you know, so that's why I'm a little more obvious, I think, when I'm out and about, because I have like the entire art store. And it definitely when we're going camping with an Airstream camper. And I mean, you would think that I was like moving across the country <laughs> to like live with the amount of stuff that I take. I'm, I'll start off being like, okay, I'm only going to take a small amount. But what I've done over the years with my sketching, I really like to have multi, um, an array of tools, of mediums that fit the amount of time or the process that I'm using. So something, if I need something quick, you know, I go to my oil pastels or my Tombow markers, um, or if I need kind of a dry medium, something that's just going to, 
I need, you know, I'm working in the car. I don't need to get all my paints out, that kind of thing. So I have mediums that I can do quickly or that will fit the appropriateness of whatever I'm doing. I, if I'm going to pick my go-to, I want to paint. I want to use some good paint and get after it. I was just going to say, Sandy, that's what I actually really find interesting about your sketchbooks is that you paint in your sketchbooks, you know, almost like you're doing your, what you would do on canvas, you're doing in your sketchbook. Yeah. And is that something you've always done or is that something that is new to you in the way that you're working? No, I think I've always done that. Um, I think because I don't think of my sketchbook as, like I'm totally fine with a really good painting being in my sketchbook. And so I do have this, let me mention this that she brought that up. I have more serious sketchbooks. So a sketchbook that I'm going to approach, like I'm going to do a finished painting. I don't care if it ends up being a bad painting, but I approach it with like, I want to paint today. You know what I mean? Like the high level painting, like I want to do a, I want to, it's not quick. I've got all the time in the world. I want to really paint. So I have sketchbooks like that. And then I have the sketchbooks that I have in between sketchbooks that are like, I mean, they're more quick dumps maybe. And then I have sketchbooks that are like, I'm not even looking at the page when I'm doing this. So I don't care. And I'll be honest, some of my sketches from those, you know, I've got some quick sketches here. I know that this is podcast so you can't see, but like of, of people that I'm literally not even looking at the page. I'm just looking at the person. And I'm going to tell you those end up better a lot of times than even if I was taking my time and looking at somebody. I love looseness and I love what happens when you don't have full control. So I'll often refer to the, my worst sketchbooks, you know, the dump, like I just need to make marks because there's oftentimes really great work in those. And I take those into my final work or my more serious sketchbooks. Um, yeah, so I just kind of have a lot of different levels there and will often take both with me. If I'm going out, I'll take the just scribble in. And then I have, when I've got more time, I've got my more serious finished work. But even if in my finished, nice sketchbooks, if something turns out terrible, I mean, I just leave it. It's not, I want there to be movement in it and progression. And, and there's not many of us that are artists that everything that we create is great. And so a sketchbook should tell that story. It should um, capture capture that. Recently, I I feel I've I've wanted to learn in my style use color pencils. I've never really liked color pencils. I feel like they're a little more tidy and too restrictive for my the way I work. But it's a great dry medium that I'm like hot doggity. I'm gonna. I'm going to figure this out. So lately, that's what I've been doing. I've just been like, I'm not really even enjoying it because I'm not creating looser. I don't know. It's just not. But I just am like, no, I'm going to figure this out. And that's how other mediums have been for me, too. It's, I start off and it's like, OK, that wasn't even very fun. And I didn't create anything very good. But I just keep after it. I keep after it. I keep trying it with different papers, different subjects. And um, and then. It's, it doesn't really usually take very long because I just stay after it. And then I've got a new medium 
that's a tool that I can use for whatever. But I've been doing that recently with colored pencils. I'm like, I'm going to do this if it kills me. And just this week, have I started creating some things that I'm like, oh, this is loose. I think I actually am enjoying this. So that's kind of how I work in my professional work that I sell, but also in my sketchbooks. They really mirror one another. It's a little bit of a hot mess and playful. But that's also what I want my art in my sketchbooks and the work that I sell. I want it to be work that makes you happy, that you look at it and you go, that person had fun doing that. And it makes me want to kind of do that too. Like that's what I really want my work to say. I don't want it get, to get into like scary whimsical. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, well, I got a little weird, but I do just joyful. I want there to be a lot of joy and it looked like I enjoyed making that work. So. What do you think about using your sketchbook as a place to do something completely different than what you do as a professional artist? That's exactly what I do in my sketchbooks. It is, it's completely different to my commercial illustration work and it's my space. It's my art practice. It's almost like my time to, to kind of grow, to experiment, to try things out. I love, um, mixing up my media as well. You know, I love layering. Um, so yeah, I definitely see it as separate to my commercial illustration work although they do kind of feed each other because I do like doing them as well so if I only did one I think I would miss the other definitely so yeah and you also have turned your sketchbook practice and your ability to use sketchbook to enhance all of your creativity, I guess, um, in a way to make money. So you are teaching workshops and it's become part of your professional artistic life. Yeah. 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 You, but I hadn't really you thought about it in that way, YouTube. but yes. Mel's using that also in her YouTube videos. You get to see a lot of her, um, beautiful surroundings and out, you know, sketching and Mel, I know you've told me that you've got client work, you know, in, in that way. So it does all kind of come together. Um, and even though you're doing those things for, you know, for yourself, but yeah, they do, they do come together and, you know, just talking as well to other artists as well. And, um, like the podcasts that I do with Natasha and then the collaboration that we did together and then me going and interviewing other artists, it, it all feels part of a more rounded, art practice rather than just it's just one thing and I think as artists we do tend to take on a number of different things um, and that all feeds in to us as creatives I, I think let's say let's say you're a landscape artist or an abstract artist I think one of the ways that you could best help your work let's say let's just take the landscape artist right I think if that person then took time, let's say in their sketchbook, to observe and draw or paint other things that are not related at all um, to the landscape. So maybe interiors, maybe figures, maybe just random objects around their house. I think that it sharpens your observation in the way that your hand and eye works. I think it gives you... Um, helps you see in different ways. Let's say you're an abstract artist and you're working a lot with value and color and shapes. Well, well then to, to take 
time, whether you do it well or not, it really doesn't matter, but to take time, maybe drawing interiors in your house or um, your glue bottles, you know, just objects. I promise you those things and those skills of, of learning to look in a different way and work your hand in a different way and in different sizes would feed into and um, benefit the other art practice. I think we could, I don't because I work in so many different mediums, but I think you can kind of get in a rut in the way that you see and observe and then translate. And I think if you would push yourself outside into different subjects, it would inform. I'm thinking of people like um, Florence Hutchings. Is it Hutchings or Hutchinson? I'll have to, I'd have to look that up, but she's very abstract, but you see, you know, you're kind of like, I think that's a fork. I think that's a chair. Like there's things that she's getting inspired by in her interior or where, whatever she's, whatever's going on in life. I, I just, I think if we would use those sketchbooks also in a way that sharpened other skills, even if it's not very good, that that would feed into and, and benefit the, whatever kind of artwork we're doing. We've talked so much about a sketchbook practice and how it's important for your observational skills and noticing things. And a lot of the conversation revolves around doing representational work in a sketchbook. And I think, you know, there are some typical, maybe they're misnomers about what a sketchbook practice is. You go outside with your watercolors and sit on a path and sketch nature or whatever, right? We all have this idea of what it should be, but we haven't really talked about can you just, well, of course you can, but like, do people just sit around and draw shapes and color in a sketchbook without noticing what's going on around them? Or are they just influenced by the environment around them and doing abstract work in a sketchbook? Yeah, actually, I've just recently started doing this in my own work. The way I'm working now with paintings that with a lot of the work that I'm doing that's selling is a little bit whimsical and wonky and um, so I'm kind of working into and working into it's a little different than what I used to do but I'm kind of reworking and reworking but so sometimes I may lose an area that is really kind of cool and abstract so what I've been doing in fact I've got a large painting on my easel right now that has random things like a black cat apple slices a peacock a tiger with a man head that has a mustache. I mean, weird. Okay. And, and oh, bananas are all over it also. And an owl, but it's not working. I'm going to completely change where I'm going with it. But there's one little section that I keep looking at. It's part of Hank's hair. He's got an Afro. So I recently, I was like, I think I want to try to capture that. I know if I capture just that little section, it's going to look very abstract. Um, and I, I'm not an abstract artist at all. And this is not even very good work, but there's just a part of like, oh, I want to put colors and shapes in play. And I just want to see what happens if I do that. And then, because I like words a lot in my work, I wrote in a list on here, Hank's hair, peacock, banana, tiger tail, just the things, you know, on top. So it's play. Does any of my work ever look like this? No. But that day I thought, I'm going to see if I can capture that. And so my sketchbook, and by the way, this very bad piece of artwork is in my very nice expensive sketchbook. 
And when I come back and look at this years later, I am going to go, oh yeah, I remember when I did that with that silly piece of artwork and that was a ton of fun. Is this a good piece of work? No. Did I have a blast doing it? And do I crack up when I see like Hank's hair and the tiger tail? Yes, it makes me smile. So yeah, I think cool. it's just whatever, you know, I think it's just meant to be like, can I go back and be a kid? Can I just play with no expectation? That's what your sketchbook should be. Um, and then it's just for you. I have all these books. Mel and I now have all these books that are made by us. And they're just for us. They're probably going to be family heirlooms that get passed down. They're just special to us. They're not our best works, probably. But they are loaded with memories, with um, not only just memories of maybe a vacation or whatever, but just the memory of sitting and being and doing what God's created us to do, which is to create and given us the gift of doing it and just enjoying the sake of just creating and loving it and, and, and having no expectations of selling it at all, but just doing it. Can you share with us an art supply or tool that you found recently that you really love, Mel? Mine would have to be the Karen Dash um, water-soluble crayons. Uh, I just really love them. And yeah, they, I, they just help me be free in my work. Excellent. Sandy? Um, I've recently, well, I had a bunch. I had like three, but I'm going to narrow it down to one. My newest find is the Derwent in Ink Tints water-soluble color pencils because I'm finding that I want to tackle these color pencils and I like these because they I can water them down and they have kind of a paint painterly effect but those have been a fun one what's the most magical thing in your life right now I would have to say the season that we're moving into so it's uh spring coming into summer and the fact that I can go outside more without having to wear lots and lots of layers Sandy um I think the season that I am just in my art practice. I've got really sharp tools and in a place where creating is just very constant. Um, I'm just in a good flow. And so creating is very easy. And I'm just really enjoying it and soaking it up and trying to kind of keep that flow going. Oh, what a wonderful place to be. Thank you guys for sharing everything you did on sketchbook practices. It was a great conversation. And I feel like there's no reason for anyone not to do this. So go out, get a sketchbook. It can be anything you want. You can use any materials you want and just go be consistent, even if it's five or 10 minutes a day. So it seems to really impact your art practice. So let's go do it. Thank you both so much. I really, really appreciate you doing this. Yay, it was fun. Thank, Thank you, you for having it. us on, Margaret. Mel, this was fun. I feel like I learned some more about you and it was fun to just kind of jump in with the interview and just hear. It was just, you're a great artist and um, I, I've benefited from what you do and what you share. So I'm thankful to have both of you guys as friends. This was fun. Oh, the Felix Mutual, definitely. That was a great episode, Mel and Sandy. Thank you so much for coming back. Here are the takeaways. Number one. If you're producing good work, you likely have a lot of bad work holding it up. Number two, just drawing what I saw in front of me grounded me and I just felt like I could breathe again. 
Number three, get absorbed in the ordinary. And number four, when you draw it, it becomes interesting, especially kitchen utensils. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. Acknowledge the mess and keep going. Bye.